But Maybe just, we could just continue with the idea of the rationality that you yeah, were just exactly, talking about. Exactly. I think, yeah, that's somewhere <laughs> um, to start. Okay. So, what my question was: How do you define rationality? And you said the process, the ability to process the rational, like checking yourself, kind of, kind of seeing your errors. Yeah, I think it's the ability to go through a process that will allow you to see your errors clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. It's what it's not is existing without any logical errors. Mm. I think it's inevitable that we um, we just have to live with the fact that we're never going to mm. like eliminate every bad idea or every mm. faulty pr- process in our minds. But what we can do is become committed to uh, getting better at noticing. Right, right. So yeah. you said that. Um, yeah. So can can you make another? Um, do another. Repetition of the analogy that you gave me just now. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, we were talking about the experience of psychosis, roughly, um, and and I think that the analogy of running a race is a good one. So you can you can be an athlete and run a hundred yard dash with a really fast time, and you can be a, a non athlete and run with a slow time, but with uh, a psychotic break it's like you you've broken your leg so whether you had a fast or a slow time um the underlying assumption for both of those is that your leg is basically intact but if your leg isn't intact then it actually doesn't matter that much what your time was before you know you're going to run a significantly slower time right so right. I think that analogy makes perfect sense because what you need in order to see yourself in a wrong position is not only the ability to process those errors, but also the attitude. It's about trying to find some faults about yourself and trying to amend those errors. You know, I think that is something where everyone should start when trying to find their errors. The attitude, the the willingness to find uh, if there's anything wrong with their own ideas. Yeah. So, I think every meaningful idea uh, comes from those attitude, willingness to. So, for example, like a athlete, if he or she doesn't have any ability, uh, any motivation or any willingness to run fast, mm-hmm. then even though. That person has a ability to run fast. Then there would not be any actual running done, right? Right. So, why did you think about that? That motivation. Where do we get it from, or why do we need that in order to make those uh, changes or in your life? Yeah, I think um, I think that uh, motivation in a lot of cases for me boils down to having habits. And having habits is just about repeating something um, enough times so that it becomes natural to you, whatever that might mean. Um, but for instance, if you say uh, the desire to edit one's thoughts, um, it's very clear for me, and it seems that this is true for a lot of people, that uh, if you v e noticed how wrong you are, then the desire can come from that alone. Because it's uncomfortable, it's disturbing um, to be duped or tricked, or um, 
to feel that you didn't see something that you should have seen. You you missed something for whatever reason. And uh, it, it, that can be like, I don't know, an embarrassment or a discomfort with the status quo. Once you notice that, mm-hmm. you know, the way things are right now is that you, you know, you, you don't have uh, mm-hmm. clear ideas. You don't mm-hmm. have a, a solid process for bringing mm-hmm. um, ideas into your mind. Mm-hmm. Then it naturally follows that, well, if it really is uncomfortable, what can I do to mm-hmm. alleviate that? Mm-hmm. And um, then you can become more interested in right. editing your ideas. Right. So what you're saying is that uh, in order to have the motivation to edit your ideas or trying to have at least the basic um, motivation to change yourself is to go through the mistakes and really see yourself in a position where you're wrong. Yeah, that could be a huge one. Or even right. seeing someone else is wrong or just right. in theory, some, sometimes that's enough. Seeing that mm. this process leads to a bad result, mm. um, if you're really capable of that type of abstraction, then mm-hmm. that's enough. Mm-hmm. But I think you, there does need to be some um, experience. Mm-hmm. Some compelling personal experience that goes through. Or is observation, just just through observation, is that possible to just go through personal or uh, not non-personal observation? You're basically just, maybe you're reading books or... You're seeing other people, and from those observations, you make a conclusion, and through that, you're perfectly able to not go through those errors. Or is it inevitable that a person needs to go through those personal experiences in order to be really engaged and really have that motivation to change oneself? Mm, Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. It's probably different for each experience. Mm, right. And also there's the question of how hard it is to um, to avoid the negative outcomes. I mean, if, if it's something that you can avoid by making one change in your behavior or something like that, something that's trivial, then maybe you don't need to experience the negative outcomes. Mm-hmm. But if it's something where you need to endure the negative side before you can successfully reach the positive side, then definitely you, you need to. Um, speaking of weight, I think, um, so I, I skateboarded a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things about skateboarding is that you you can't get good without falling. Mm-hmm. Because falling is a part of how you learn like the physics of what's going on. Right. So you, 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 never, you never start off knowing exactly what to do, even if there's an, and someone's giving you instructions, right? like, okay, put your feet here, then do this. Right. The real learning happens when you internalize the physics of your body moving, right. the skateboard moving through space, right. what the weight is, you know, right. what the different dimensions are. Yeah. So for things like skateboarding, you have to make the mistakes. Mm. But there are other things where you really can just follow someone else's direction mm. and go through fine. Mm. You know, wear this, for instance. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll wear this to an interview, for instance. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fully understand, you know, the history of how interviews have been set up or whatnot. You could just take someone's advice and things could work out for you. Right. right. Um, just for the dressing part. I don't know about actually like talking in the interview. I don't think that's going to work if someone right. tells you what to say. That's right. But the dressing part. Yeah. is something where you don't have to make the mistake. Mm-hmm. You can immediately jump into right. the correct solution based off of someone's advice. Right. So things such as appearances or you know 
you can. So you're saying that there are things that you can just follow instructions, other other people's instructions, in order to, um, you know, avoid those mistakes without actually making those mistakes. Right. Right. How about like, um, something abstract as personal human experiences? So we're today, um, you know, engaging in the topic of religion, mm-hmm. right? So I think that is closely related to those things. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um. You know, something really abstract and philosophical as, is there a supernatural being? Or, uh, you know, how, how did the universe start? Is, is there only us in the universe? Or is the, uh, physical realm that we see and experience, is that the only thing there is? Mm. You know, those kind of questions. Or, um, you know, evaluating the possibility of existence like that. Can those things be just followed by instructions by other people? Or do you have to internalize like skateboarding to see and make mistakes and fall down and try to um, make changes in yourself Yeah, to see what's really there? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the kind of question that I had for myself, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was... What I see is that <laughs> the more atheistic people are, mm-hmm. um, and the more religious they can be. Mm. You see, um, and so uh, I see a lot of um, these days. You know, it's 21st century, and uh, uh, there are a lot of things that uh, didn't make sense before, but now it makes sense now. But still, there are a lot of things that we don't know about, but we are. Sure about certain things. We, there are scientific evidences and a lot of things that humanity has been able to find out through observations. Those are facts, natural facts that cannot be denied. Mm-hmm. Some, right? And, uh, and a lot of people see those things as obstacles to, um, Admitting that there can be a possibility of supernatural being or, or God or any, any religion, you know, they, they don't see any, they don't acknowledge a possibility that there can be a spiritual uh, aspect of human life. Yeah. Right. And so what I thought about that was I, completely agree with that i didn't have um i learned uh science and you know just uh went through just my own logical arguments and basically rejected my uh family uh trying to force religion into me mm. you know uh my grandparents are all catholic and my mom my dad they're also catholic and uh they wanted me to go to catholic church every sunday and I didn't like that, you know, like kind of, I thought it was kind of waste of time. And there are a lot of like obligations to do, such as like writing Bible when, when uh, my friends are out playing, you know, and I just thought that it, it just didn't make sense for me. Um, you know, there's no physical existence. No one has ever proven that such thing can exist. And it just logically didn't make sense. Also reading the book, uh, 
written by Richard Dawkins, um, the author of God Delusion. Yes, I've heard of this book. Right. <laughs> Are you familiar with the contents of the book? Yeah, I, I think I read it in huh. 10th grade. But mm -hmm. I, more recently, I wrote a song called The Odd Delusion. Odd Delusion. <laughs> Odd Delusion. <laughs> but yeah, it's based on the title of the book. <laughs> I see, I see. <laughs> yeah, anyways, I was fully convinced of that. So I started to not go to uh, that uh, Catholic church and... You know, just outright reject my parents and, you know, convincing them to not go too. Because what they did was, for me, irrational. Um, even, even my own parents, they were doing something that didn't make sense for me. And I wanted them to come out of that. And, well, they were at the time religious at the same time. Not religious. Uh, they believed in some notions of the teachings of the church, but then they would not agree about a lot of the things that they say, um, you know, such as like miracles done by Jesus or, you know, a lot of people in the Bible, you know, doing things that are physically just impossible hmm. by modern physics standards. And yeah, there are a lot of people like that right now who go to church and don't believe in those things. And I think those come from uh, the, the thinking that they haven't been through uh, the personal experiences that I uh, I think it's necessary to see. So um, what I think is that uh, at the time, my parents didn't go through any of the thinking like that. They they just went just because their parents told them to. Right. And that was happening for me as well. My parents told me to go. So, uh, And so my family just stopped going altogether. And it was just, it was just fine life. Um. But I had like some, some willingness to find meaning. Um, like yourself, I, uh, I kind of experienced a little bit of mental disorder, I would say, uh, just a, a severe depression. And I think the reason why that severe depression came was, uh, my internal thoughts about meaninglessness of the world. I didn't see any, any meaning into the world. I don't, I, just, uh, it came from the question, why do we exist? Why do we even exist in the first time? Like, um, there's no meaning into achieving something when you're just a human being and you're just a biological entity that just walks around the, uh, the earth. And, you know, what is the meaning of helping people? Like, why would, why would you want to help others when you can, when you can just keep it all to yourself and, um, you know, raise the, the probability of success of your genes. <laughs> That's you know? true. Yeah. Yeah. Referencing the God delusion. Right. Or is that a different one? Oh uh, yeah. It's just, the selfish gene. Selfish gene. Yeah. 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 It all comes down to the same idea, but you know, why, why would that be a, a thing to do? You know, 
compassion? Why why does why do people have compassion? And I didn't think compassion was possible at that time. I just outright rejected the notion of compassion. Mm-hmm. It was delusional. Like, if I see some some person doing good thing on the street, or when I see a news media and some person doing some some wonderful work for helping those who are in need, and I would. I wouldn't see the beautiful side of it. I would think to myself that that person is crazy. That person must be crazy or like just trying to look nice in front of other people or there must be some other reason that benefits that person. And so that, that kind of thought was very toxic for me and it just kept coming to me and I would... Always just fully accept those ideas as my own thoughts and just the truth. Yeah. You know, uh, something that does not change, that that cannot be changed ever. Uh, And so those thoughts came all the time. And like uh, there was a time when I didn't want to, you know, engage in any activity at all. You know, another symptom of depression. Uh, you know, not even doing any activities. Uh, you know, <laughs> basic things as walking or eating or, you know, going out to school. Like I would go to school and come back, but then, you know, like I would just do the bare minimum yeah. in, in order to, in order to not be seen by other people. So it was just uh, the problem was all internal. Uh, And at that time, so this is just my own personal experience. I don't think that applies to general people, but I think there is a pattern in that uh, people go through a a, uh, meaninglessness and then uh, find some some meaning meaning into uh, the religion. Uh, And see that there can be meaning into life, you know? Right. So, so I guess it was just uh, finding meaning for me. Uh, yeah. My mom started to going back to church um, because she wanted to for some reason, and I still don't understand that, but, and she wanted me to come with her because she was um, engaged in this community there. Yeah. And everyone would come with family, but, she would be by herself. So she just told me to come. So I would come to that meetings and, you know, ceremonies and everything. But I wasn't, I wasn't believing in that. I, even though I was physically there, I was, uh, you know, putting my time into in participating in those things, but I wouldn't believe in any of, any of the things that they said. Yeah. Uh, and just thinking to myself, this is all about, you know, just, just personal experiences for them. And I don't know why they're doing this. Uh, so then, but I started to think that was, that was like a turning point. I think that, that question, raising that question, why do people even put this so much effort into doing this? You mean religious activities? Right, religious activities. 
why would people, you know, put time into doing those things, you know? And, you know, um, in Bay Area, there are a lot of engineers and, uh, you know, people with PhDs and everything. And uh, I knew that there were, like, religious people who are also scientists. And, but I didn't, uh, that was not the reason for me to go and believing in them. But then when I saw, when I saw those people doing actual work, yeah, you know, like moving things or arranging time and actually being physically there, when I first saw that, I started to wonder, why do people do these things? Right. Right. So there must be a reason for them. Like they, they must have come to that position in their life because they went through something and I would like to know what made them be like that. Yeah. Mm. And I think that was the realization for themselves as well. Um, just mm, how do I say this? So it it just all. I know it just turned slowly uh, from that question, asking that initial question. I started to put efforts into understanding it, and you know, accepting that little possibility, accepting that the possible probability is not zero. Yeah, you know, and that change in the mindset led me through, I think, in the faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that initial question can turn other people into, you know, um, contemplating about the possibility. Yeah. So, what do you think of that? That little possibility right there. The possibility of the existence of a supernatural, right, supernatural yeah. being, or any religion in the matter. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, the first thing is, mm. I think that the activities mm. that uh, religious people are engaging in mm-hmm. um, do give back. Like, mm. they are fulfilling activities. For instance, mm-hmm. helping someone is very fulfilling. Mm. Um, having a community that's basically always accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what you do wrong, as long as you come back and say, you know what, I'm realigning myself with these teachings, mm. you're accepted, right? Mm-hmm. So especially after after a period of like turmoil, this is priceless. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm reintegrating into society, mm-hmm. and uh, the the groups that are the most open to to me, um, a lot of them are religious, mm-hmm. right? But they're also, I mean, I have academics in my back pocket, so I mean, I can get in that sense. I I, I always have another option, um, but I think though, basically, what I'm saying is. The reality, uh, the real part that I don't think is, is, is an interesting discussion is that the experience of being a religious person can be incredibly fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- even if you just dropped it at community and you didn't even get into anything else, having a community of people who care about you is a fulfilling experience, regardless of what they're asking you to do. Right. Um, right. But the second part of it is, do you need the religious teachings to mm. experience that community? Mm-hmm. And 
I think the evidence is growing with time that mm-hmm. that's not necessary now, mm-hmm. but in the past it has been. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about religion, it's like it's like genetics. You're getting stuff from your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, what you're seeing now mm-hmm. are the things that survive during worse times. Right. But what you what you have less evidence for is what can exist now. Right. You know, in modern society, in the age of the internet, in the age where you know, you can get a PhD in chemistry. Right. And the, in, in the, wor- the world that exists now uh, would not have survived, right, 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, because those ideas, there, there wouldn't have been anywhere for them to plant themselves. But right. now there is. Right. So um, I think what you'll see is more alternatives to support the idea that it's the activities themselves that are the fulfilling part. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where the disagreement comes is the extrapolation. Mm-hmm. from the activities. So basically mm-hmm. how the activities are interpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, uh, okay, I do something nice. Mm-hmm. Um, one person could say because, um, I don't know, I just felt like doing something nice. Mm-hmm. And someone else could say, well, because God directed me to do right, something nice. Right, right. Well, what they have in common is the activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interpretation really isn't uh, – you can't really say say one way or another. Mm. All all that you could say is, well, that's how I felt. But someone else could also say that's how they felt, right. and and both of them are valid points. Right, right. So it's uh, what what the only thing that's weird, I think, um, about religion is something that you don't seem to think. But you, what you're saying, if I'm correct, is that there's mm. some possibility mm. that there's a supernatural being that cares for you, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of people are saying is that this is the reality. And I so think we're talking about uh, what the reality is instead of yeah. the personal experience. Instead of saying is, none of us right, know, right. but I choose to, to think that, you know, I did this nice thing because I was directed. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are saying, no, we know. Mm-hmm. And we did it because of the deity. And, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't know about this knowledge that we have, mm-hmm. but it is knowledge and it's not, a matter of probability. Mm-hmm. It's we're pretty certain that this is the case. Mm-hmm. That this model out of all of the other possible models, because that's mm-hmm. one possible model out of mm-hmm. n models. Mm-hmm. You know, right, right. It's so, just so those models came to explain why people do good things in the first place. Right, and right. they came. These models explained why people two thousand years ago did good things, mm-hmm. but that might be different from what goes on now and. 2,000 years from now, mm-hmm. there could be new motivations mm-hmm. um, that didn't exist back then. Right. Such that, you know, right. basically the human condition has changed because our environment has changed. Mm-hmm. Right. So our so- human society has changed a lot uh, since 2,000 years ago. Right. I think there's one, not one, but a lot of properties of a human person that does not change. Right. Regardless of time. Right. Like basic need to of uh basic pains of hunger or needing for water right in order to survive you know um sex for procreating and you know just just basic activities that every single human being does right in order to survive throughout all the ages and those those things are universal and they cannot be changed whatsoever as long as you are a human being. Right. And also not only the pains, but also the sources of happiness. 
um, fulfillment of desire, achievements, and social status. I think all those things are something that that religion can um, religion has considered when it was made two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not made two thousand years ago, but you know, throughout that all things, human all human experience is um, considered. I would say, yeah, when uh, when uh, those Bibles were written, or uh, in other religion, like trying when they're when they were trying to explain some basic human nature, like compassion. Something that's really hard to understand. I think those. I think we're talking about those things, you know, yeah. that 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 do not change. Yeah. Regardless of whether there's technology or whether we can communicate with other people in different ways. Yeah. Right. So, um, compassion. Compassion is what? What? How do you think where? Compassion comes from where is, where is compassion coming from? Like, is it is it because of the desire to um, gain social status, or where where does it come from? Um, uh, I think it can come from uh, a lot of places, but mm. I know in my experience, it's usually something along the lines of like it's very low cost for me, mm. but it could really help someone else out. Mm-hmm. That's like the easiest way for me to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a negligible thing for me, mm-hmm. a small amount of effort. Mm-hmm. But then for you on the receiving end, it's mm-hmm. a really, uh, it makes a really large difference. Right. Um, as opposed to the reverse, if it takes a lot of effort on my end mm-hmm. and it has some really small benefit on your end, then mm-hmm. I'm less likely to engage in it, mm-hmm. even if it would help someone, mm-hmm. because it's just not a very efficient. It's not fulfilling on my end enough. Mm. for me to want to even engage in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that I agree with you that there are, mm-hmm. out of the things that don't change mm-hmm. um, in the human experience, they, they, really, they really are the center of the conversation um, when discussing you know, um, the power of religion. Mm-hmm. However, I think that it is difficult to split up uh, the desire from the path toward achieving that desire. Mm. So what can drastically increase in a modern society or in any, in any society in an Aztec society is the way that you can fulfill that, uh, that fundamental human need. Mm. So if your culture constrains you in one way and your environment constrains you in another way and whatever constraint, there's all these constraints in your life for how you can achieve, for instance, here's a fun one, sexual desire, mm-hmm. right? Well, depending on what culture you're in, you're, everyone's going to have it. But how you go about doing it depends on what's allowed. Mm-hmm. So what can change, even though those things aren't changing, mm-hmm. what can change is the number of ways that one can satisfy each desire. Mm-hmm. And if the number of ways drastically increases, mm-hmm. then what you should expect is more of a diversity of behavior. Mm-hmm. And if the number of ways you know, decreases, mm-hmm. then you should expect more kind of regimented behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, if you want to do this, you know, if you want to have sex, you need to get married first, right? Mm. That's, that's one way. Okay. Well, in that society, mm. that the only way you can satisfy this human desire that everyone has is by first going through everything that's necessary to get married. Mm-hmm. But in another society, 
You know what I mean? Doesn't you just matter. swipe right. Right. And then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even though there are things that don't change, when you consider the connection between the number of ways you can satisfy mm. those desires, mm -hmm. it's almost as if it doesn't matter that they don't change. Right. What really matters is how can you actually, in mm. reality, satisfy those desires? Mm. And that definitely changes. That does change yeah. a lot, yes. And so going through all of that wasn't also necessary back then um a long time ago when there was no tinder or any other technologies they could just if they wanted they could just do it right they could um and definitely the methods can change but the idea that they can not follow the instruction or follow the restrictions imposed by a culture yeah. or religion um think that stays the same i would say Or, yeah, the idea mm. that that there mm. are cultural constraints, mm -hmm. yeah, that does stay the same. It's just what are the constraints? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is it is it a um, morally or any other in any other sense, good or bad? Like we are trying, are we trying to make evaluation on those? What what are we trying to do here? Um, to just observe or. What do you think in this conversation we're having right now? Uh, just explain. Just explain a perspective. So each of us will explain our view. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Um. Sure. I'll. Uh. My perspective on that is, even though I'm, I'm not following those rules as the the fullest I can be, is that, I mean, I don't think anyone can follow those rules perfect. Like any, I don't think any possible a human being cannot follow um 100 of all of the instructions that religion or any other cultural standards give you yeah it's just impossible well i would add this in mm. so you can invent culture you mm. can you can create culture mm. so that it fits humans rather than mm. hoping that the humans fit the culture because you could say okay we're gonna mm. kill everybody who's over three feet and then everybody's dead mm. or you can say We will tolerate a range of height mm. that's normal for the human height, and then nobody, you know, breaks the rule because the rule you can you can set the rule so based off of the human behavior that you actually observe, mm -hmm. rather than saying, okay, well, let's make a prediction of how humans should act right. in a perfect world, and then force everyone to right. or encourage people rather right. to do that. You could just right. say, well, how do people live when they're happy? And then let's just make that let's observe that culture and say okay that's or that those cultures mm. and say those are the types of rules we want to have or those right. are the if there are any commonalities there exactly. those are the things we should promote to our kids or whatnot right right so we have a common ground of humans are trying to be happy and everyone should be you know um, our goal is to make everyone happy right happiness I think so, is yeah. the key. Right. So happiness, how do we find happiness, right? Yeah. Does happiness come from fulfilling all of the desires that we have? That's something that I, I want to talk about with you. Yeah. Where does happiness come from? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but it's very, uh, this is what I think, but it's not the way that I live now because it's, well, you'll see, but 
basically those things that are constant, mm. um, like the desire for food, mm. the desire for sex, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think um, building a culture that allows for the most opti- for for most people to be satisfied mm-hmm. with respect to those mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. would be the first step. Right. Yeah, but but I mean, I'm that I agree the, with. Yeah, I'm born in the United States, though. You know, I'm mm-hmm. consuming uh, microphones and whatnot. So these things were manufactured. It's this goes online. This mm-hmm. is all a part of the materialistic world. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, uh, do I agree with all of it? No, I think you know. For instance, uh, it seems like it should be a top priority. You know how Silicon Valley, everybody's making a new fart app or whatever. Yeah. It should, it should be a top priority to have like worldwide clean water, you know, because that's, that's possible. It's we we have what it takes to engineer that mm-hmm. uh, as a species. Mm-hmm. But um, well, you know, because of one thing or another, politics, money, it's, it's probably not going to get done. So yeah, I think it, it should start from basic needs. But I'm a hypocrite because I'm living in the, a regular person in the United States, so I probably consume way more than I need. So basic needs is something necessary for happiness. I'd say that's the first step. And then the second thing is is a matter of like um, education and your ability to give meaning to your own life. So mm. if, you, uh, if you can decide mm-hmm. that you value something and that that's, you know, what you're going to pursue, mm-hmm. that's a lot better off than someone dictating it to you. And like if you can change your opinion fluidly mm-hmm. or, you know. Etc. I would say those are all kind of education-based things. But yeah, first is basic needs, I think, and second is how do you interpret your life? Mm-hmm. If you can, if everyone was capable of, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, uh, reassessing their life at any given moment and deciding their own goals without fear or shame, and you know, slowly but surely working toward their goals using whatever resources are at their disposal rather than just following directions, mm-hmm. then people would solve their own problems. Right. It seems. Right. It seems more likely that people right. would solve their own problems. Right. Um, but right now that's not how things work. Right. It's not about basic needs. It's there a lot that's of money it. is wasted on luxury for a small number of people. Mm-hmm. And um, people are not um, interested or trained or capable or whatever in deciding what's worth their time and pursuing it because everyone is desperate. A lot of people are desperate. A lot of people are fearful that, um, you know, that that people have to pay bills. Mm -hmm. So why waste your time thinking about building your community um, or learning some weird skill, like how to build a bench, you know, (laughs) why waste time doing that when I could just watch Netflix, I think is the attitude of a lot of people. They live to work Mm -hmm. to just consume and then Mm -hmm. so on and so on. Um, and I do this too, but I think it should start with basic needs and then it should end basically with, uh, the way you process the world, problem solving, critical thinking, creativity. Mm-hmm. And then from if you have those two, then I think people would be a lot happier. People would be a lot happier if they have all of those educational uh, bases in order to find themselves. So in the end, the ultimate goal is to find themselves, to define themselves as some some being that the person wants to be. Is that, so, is that yeah. what you're saying? 
Yeah, yeah. The, I guess find right. yourself is a simple way of putting it. Yeah, right. Get your basic needs met, you know, as mm-hmm. a community, as a society, mm-hmm. through things like you know, mm-hmm. putting together resources so that you can have a more efficient output, mm-hmm. et cetera, like a road system, water systems, electricity, mm-hmm. um, housing, and then figure out what you're going to do with your life mm-hmm. in a way that's, that, that's not too restricting. There's, I mean, in order for that to happen, you have to have a culture that's accepting of whatever mm-hmm. people's answers are going to be right. for what they're going to do with their life or who they've, think mm-hmm. they are how mm-hmm. they identify um but that really does seem to play a huge role at least in it my does. happiness because it, it can completely change mm-hmm. the way that i view a situation i can mm-hmm. be in a shit situation and right. feel amazing right. because i see the benefits of being in the shit situation mm-hmm. whereas if i didn't if i wasn't able to do that i'd just be at the whim of whatever was originally dictated to me mm. so would you say you are a happy person Yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm mm-hmm. very, dude, I'm happy you're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks thanks for being happy. I'm also uh, happy about that too. Yeah. And I was, yeah, it's just uh being happy in in a in the idea that you are satisfied intellectually and emotionally and yeah. being safe about your physical safety. Yeah. It's all about meeting the desire um Not the desire. Would you say meeting the what kind of desire is fulfilled? To be happy in a sense that you are saying. Um, I think it really is meaning because I think that um, when you're when you're doing something that you really like, there's a reason why you like it, mm-hmm. and um, that reason could be that it connects a bunch of other things that you like. It could be it, that it's at the intersection of a lot of other things. So it's really like a super thing, you know? And, um, yeah, I think if you, if you work backwards, you could see that you're actively participating in something that you respect or something that you, um, I don't know, you admire maybe, or that you mm-hmm. feel that you're growing because of, of that thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, It, it, I, I think that is meaningful because you, at some point you had to recognize, hey, yeah, I actually want to be like that or I want to be like this or like I want to grow to achieve this level. And even, even if you're not, you never reach the level, for me personally, even like taking steps toward the level is fulfilling. Like, yeah, I got to take one baby step. Right. Having that direction in your life, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. And and that seems to be the results of reflection, mm-hmm. of deciding like what direction would be the most fulfilling. You have to try stuff, but you also have to look at stuff you've tried and say which which things were fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So, the, and the more you do, the, mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like um, you're trying to estimate Mm-hmm. Some decimal, right? And mm-hmm. you, you guess too high, you guess too low, mm-hmm. and you keep going in between. And you eventually, as it goes toward infinity, then you figure out what that exact thing is. I think the idea is you you can always get a little bit closer. And you right. can strategically pick goals right. such that you're going to find out more information mm-hmm. by pursuing it. Right. And then once you have the new information, well, mm-hmm. guess what? You're in an even better position to pick another goal. Right. Uh, your uh, just explanation of that just came to my mind as some mathematical concept. So uh, I just thought about that. Uh, you know, in vector, 
mm-hmm. displacement can be uh, negative, mm-hmm. but your acceleration can be positive at all times. Okay. Even though your velocity can be negative at that time, but your direction is positive. And as long as that there is a positive acceleration, then there can be possibility to be in positive displacement. Mm. That's what, about, uh, what I thought about yeah. when, when you were explaining that. Exactly. You know, people really don't believe that mm. there is a fluidity between mathematics and like metaphors. Mm. But I mean, that's a great example of one and it didn't even have to come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I actually think of math as the more precise way of speaking in metaphor. Mm. Because you, I'm, you're not talking about anything. But yet, it's everything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like it's just it's just a model, but mm-hmm. yet it really does get like at the meat of what's happening, mm-hmm. which is like the idea of estimating or the idea of displacement. Right, it really does get at the heart of what it's like to figure something out, whether mm-hmm. it's what this decimal is or what your purpose in life is or what you enjoy in life. Rather, right. I don't know about the purpose of life, but right. what you enjoy. Right. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps uh, this is an, uh, just a thought just came. Um, I don't think there's any way, like, a uh, meaningful way to just like, go about this topic, but I'm just going to say it because yeah, it just came to my mind. It's like, uh, perhaps we're just living, um, no, uh, this world is representation of math, and that's the reason why the metaphor in math works. Mm. Well, how would you know? I think it's very close to the simulation question. What would you right. look for to know if your world really was a simulation or, or if it really was a mathematical, mm-hmm. uh, if the real world was mathematical right. um, versus not? I mean, real world actually is mathematical, isn't it? Well, it seems like it can be modeled by math, but I don't right. know. I mean, I think you have to mm. get pretty deep into physics before you know the answer to those things. That is right. I don't know anything about quarks, for instance. So mm-hmm. it seems like you'd have to go to the fundamental stuff mm-hmm. or the really big stuff. Mm-hmm. But then again, even yeah. the fundamental stuff so may be the same size as the really big stuff relative to the whole universe. Mm. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, Well... I was telling you that was actually a, a part of my delusion hmm. was believing that uh, I was in a simulation for right, sure. Right. And um, like I was on psych meds for like three or four months. And then when I came out, came out of like the psychosis, I remember thinking like, well, I, I can just believe that it's the real world because hmm. it wouldn't make a difference anyway. Right. You know, like right. there's the, there's the, there's the actual reality of having like mm. flashes and um, hallucinations and hearing voices. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the lingering like ideas in my mind that aren't delusions really, but they're mm-hmm. still there. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I'm talking about. Like coming out of psychosis, it was like, okay, I know that I had a psychotic break. I know that I didn't just, I'm not Superman. That was just, that's how psychotic breaks feel. But I still have certain ideas that are lingering. So I still have to like decide how I'm going to deal with these. <laughs> and one of, one of them was like, you know, I don't know. I'd be taking a shower or something and be like, you know, you're in a simulation, right? Talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah. is, is it a different voice or <laughs> no, it's is never, it your own thought? <laughs> so so here's the thing. Here's the thing. For, from, for voices that I heard, it, it was always different voices because uh, it was always like, 
some person that I knew from years ago talking to me or some, like it would feel like I was having memories or it was the TV or the radio. Hmm. So it was just hearing this, the singer, but I just, the words got jumbled up. Hmm. Like I had some kind of a, um, auditory dyslexia or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I'm, I'm saying them in words because that's the easiest way to represent right, it, right, but right, it wasn't right. words. It's just right. feelings. Right. Yeah. The fe- it's yeah. weird to say something like that, but yeah. the feeling came that said, yeah. the feeling is the equivalent of the words, you know, you're in a simulation, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I just decided, oh, I guess I'll just, I'll just treat it like I'm living my real life. And then if I'm in a simulation, then fine, I'll find out when I die, I guess, or whatever the story in my mind was at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's actually no different, which is the funny part. Because, you know, you're just living. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as like math modeling the world, mm. it, uh, I mean, there, there's something funny about math. I, I, I don't want to diss them, but mm. they're also not really accurate. They're re- they're, they're like, accurate. they're, oh. they're, they are accurate. Okay. So mm. they are accurate, but mm-hmm. they're accurate mm-hmm. to, a certain precision that we're satisfied with. Mm. Are you ta- what, what are you talking about in life? What I'm talking yeah. about is, let's say that I, let's say that there's a perfect line, mm. and then I trace over it with a crayon. Mm-hmm. The mathematical model to me seems more like the crayon than the line. It's like it doesn't really real the the real world mm. isn't actually exactly mm. to the mm. whatever t like okay mm-hmm. whatever the speed of light is three mm. times uh, ten to the eighth ten to the eighth yeah. all right how many decimal places do we have if you combine all the computers that have ever existed mm. right it, it, there might not be enough mm-hmm. if you took all of those mm-hmm. to actually get the real representation of the speed of light. Mm. So how how much error is there? Well, it could be any arbitrary amount. Right. It could be so far off that it's like the crayon, mm. you know, where it's squiggly and it's not really covering the line. Mm. <laughs> I mean, mm. I'm thinking of a kid drawing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Just trace yeah. this line, little Jimmy. Chaotic. And they, okay, I'll make a highly accurate mathematical model or what humans might consider accurate. And then they scribble on the wall and it's mm. jagged and crooked. Mm. But we look at it and we're like, genius, a perfect line. Never mm. seen anything better. Mm. I think it, it's it always like infinity is fucking deep is the point. <laughs> yeah. So anything, huh. everything we're doing is finite. So it's basically we don't know. I mean, we know from our perspective it's good enough. Yeah. But how deep can we go? You know, what's possible? Right. What, how big of the, if we used all the matter in our solar system to build the most sensitive instrument, mm. would it even get to 1% of the accuracy of the true number? The, the real life. Yeah, right. the real speed of light or the real, right. you know, Planck's constant or the real whatever. Right, right. We're always living in a low resolution reality. So, I mean, it's good enough for our low resolution, but we don't know how far off we really are hmm. from, you know, 1080p or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> from uh, uh-huh. what am I thinking of? Retina display. What's the mm. new thing they're cooking up in in this city? <laughs> 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 right. Or the old thing, rather. Right. But yeah, so it's good. It's good for now. But what's good about it mm-hmm. is what we were talking about before: estimation. You can get more precise estimation mm. in that language than it seems any other language. Mm.
but it's still estimation. Right. Estimation from those, uh, the errors in the estimations come from the errors in uh, measuring it. Yeah. And we don't have, we're never going to have infinite measurement. Right. We'll never have the accurate measurement in a sense that we can, we'll never be able to measure like the quarks or. Well, I don't know about that. that. I don't know know about all that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't want to, you know, disrespect anyone's job. But, um, yeah, I mean, here's something I'm leaving out. So the counter to all this would be that the, the amount of precision that we have is more than enough. Mm. to account for the speed of light, et cetera, some other constant. I just picked that mm. just because. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be that we do have enough, but mm. uh, I don't know because I'm not in that position. I, I'm just saying the person to answer the question whether or not, you know, our real world is the real thing or the model mm. world is the real thing mm-hmm. would be someone who knows answers to those precision questions. But I suspect that we're all living in low resolution, even the best of us, because our equipment is limited. Right. Our equipment, which is not to say uh, about, you know, the measuring, a measurement of, you know, tools, but also our own tool that we use daily, our brain. That's true. Our, our senses. Yeah. They are not accurate. They're, they're not accurate at all. Like at all times. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, but it's the best we've got. And, you know, all we right. have to do is make sure, like you said, we've got food, water. Right. <laughs> we don't really have to contemplate the universe mm-hmm. if we don't mm-hmm. want to. Mm-hmm. But it's just cool to look at the stars every once in a while. Yeah. You know, you're having a bad day, mm-hmm. a bad night, or a good night. Yeah. I'm asking you uh, this question because you said you were psychotic before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, I think uh, it's a question that I don't really usually ask to other people because they think I'm crazy too. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> crazy I, I, questions. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like uh it's like a question that I ask myself too, so I'm kind of crazy. I say, uh, have you ever appreciated water? Mm. Have you ever like seen water and just like been so like tripped about it? Yeah. <laughs> like you said the infinity is really fucking deep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought of that in like just just like right now too? Like you know, we are breathing oxygen. Yeah. It's kind of fucking cool that we are breathing oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's really like when you're paying attention to it, it's amazing just to be alive. Right. Or just to be even existing in the atomic sense. Hmm. Right? Even when there was a, if there's a slight difference in the gravitational constant or a slight difference in the atomic constant, strong force were, then there's not going to be any, atoms in this universe Mm. isn't it amazing yeah well kind of (laughs) (laughs) well the reason why it's kind of amazing is because if you can think about it at all that Mm. means you're already in the universe where it was possible to think about it all right so yeah since one follows from the other right every every Mm. atomic being that's ever thought Mm. has actually been in that same position right right (laughs) where it's like uh, yeah, we on one hand it's rare, but on the other hand, mm. it's a necessity mm-hmm. to be in a universe where atoms are possible. Mm. So in that sense, given that the universe had to come first mm-hmm. before we could come, mm-hmm. then it's not amazing at all. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite boring. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It has been the reality for every one of us. Yeah, since the beginning. 
When was the beginning? The the Big Bang. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> I thought it was going to be more of a religious answer. <laughs> well, it doesn't. Okay, for me, it doesn't contradict. Okay. Religion. Yeah, yeah. It all. When I was a kid, it <laughs> seemed like yeah, that's duh. What's what's next? Like it didn't seem to contradict at all. But I think that it's just I, honestly for our generation, I think. People are just a little bit more tolerant of uh, mm. a lot more of different ways of viewing things mm. because mm. it's it's not so much of a battle I think as it is a personal choice now. Um, yeah. Simply because I think in other times I know in other times mm. being non-religious meant like you were exiled or something like that. Right. But right. now we got places like Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. so it really. You could. You really now, don't now have to being suffer religious as much. Is being exiled. <laughs> That's not true. We got the Bible Belt. We got Trump. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to the South? Uh yeah, one time. What were you doing uh, down there? Uh, visiting my relatives. That's cool. And <laughs> they're religious too. But uh, yeah, I I haven't had a lot of like interactions with the actual people who uh, support Trump or. Republican Party, so mm. I, I don't know a lot about that. Oh, okay. Or what were you going to say about that? No, I meant I, I meant for the religious oh. experience. Oh, oh, the religious experience. But it's, oh. I mean, it's, I think it's very different from over here because mm, it, it really is, is a, a a world where basically things. It's almost like yeah. another world where yeah. it really yeah. is like the center of a lot of life. Right. Um. Right. For instance, almost a lot of engineers go to church every Sunday, right? Which is is kind of a weird thing to think about. It but, is weird thing, but yeah. it's it's the norm. Mm -hmm. It's really more of a community thing, mm -hmm. from my experience. I don't know. I'm not. Mm. I wasn't. I wasn't I, I mean, super that's true. deep. That's true. That's yeah. true. There are a lot of people who are just go there just for community, just yeah. for their kids. You know, uh, I I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think anyone can say that it is a bad environment for kids. Because they can be, you know, engaged in activities, and there, there, there are a lot of educations. But then, um, you know, and they do like volunteer works, and they they are exposed to certain things. Uh, if you view like religious teachings as a bad thing, then it would be bad. But you know, in a sense that if as long as you can be together, I think uh, you know, having that community is good. Then it compels like the people who don't necessarily believe. In uh, to engage in the community activities like that, hmm. right? So there are a lot of people like that. I think uh, who are who are not looking for any religion, yeah. But just just being there, just because like community, their their friends are there, their their uh, relatives are there, or their parents are there. Yeah, yeah, and just to be just to be with them to, for social reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh. But I, I'm more like a person who's just like not not community like, but also for religion. I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there are different kinds of religious people, I guess. Yeah. yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. It seems like mm. for the kids, mm -hmm. if they learned like basic critical thinking, mm -hmm. then it it doesn't seem like it would matter that much mm -hmm. uh, that they went to church. Oh yeah, but that's, I don't know. That's true. But that's I don't true. know if that's I don't true. know if that's the case. Mm. It just seems. Well, what that I was way. saying, what I was saying is that I want to be clear. Was to uh, is that. You're good. 
<laughs> is it is it all gone or no, just okay you can start from the beginning if you'd like <laughs> oh wow it's long i feel like it was like we talked about a lot of things yeah no 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 yeah. no, no, no 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 just uh, like just the, last the beginning of, yeah, okay okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and so uh your, your question was how do we know for sure that um one religion is right over other things yeah and that is a question that i ask myself all the time like even right now yeah like how how can i be so sure that this is the thing this is one truth yeah of explanation of humans and not only the humans but also the universe uh And frankly, I have, yeah, as I told you, like, I can't explain that. I can't yeah. explain that. It's, it's just all about my own testimonial and, uh, because there are consequences mm, to choosing the wrong one, right? Mm, like what consequences that can heaven mm. or hell or, mm. you know, um, just being seen in the wrong light mm. by a deity. Right, right. I agree with that. I think, um, what they teach in, uh, the teachings of Catholics, uh, I've been through, through that class and I don't know if I remember this correctly, but, uh, what I remember is that as long as you are a trying to be a good person. Yeah. Good person, and I think there is only one way to be good person, and mm. that is to that is to serve others, that is to love others. Yeah, and as long as that's fulfilled, then you're a good person. And I don't, for me, I couldn't come up with any arguments against that. Like that is the only, only, only. Rule that a person should follow to be a good person. I think that's a moral guidance. I would say to become good. You know, like how do we define good or bad? Good is to, you know, just uh, to not think of your own um, benefit at all times. Yeah, and. Know, trying to serve like just I. So what they teach about um, the God in Christianity is, it's God is all about good, and that's what I agreed with in the first time. Um, in Buddhism, however, uh, I didn't really get in deeply into Buddhism, but what I understood was that. Um, you know, it's also, compassion is also important in Buddhism and you need to really serve others as well. But it's all about finding your inner peace, trying to be out of pain. Mm. You know, they, so pain is something that they also realize. Pain is universal human experience. As long as humans live, as long as they have physical flesh, humans cannot be um free of the pain there is so what what 
what I understood from that is through meditations, through through uh, understanding those teachings, and th- through getting to certain points of enlightenment in Buddhism, you can be perfectly free of the pain, hmm. the constant pain that you have. Even the emo, uh, I say uh, it's more like a psychological pain that they were talking about. You know, comparing oneself to others. No, and and stre- being stressed about you know existence and stressed about uh, meaninglessness into life and everything. I mean, I think those are good ideas. But one thing that's superior, like I, what I agreed with hundred percent was that one supreme rule that every human being should follow in order to make the world a better place is to love others. To, to love every single person there is, hmm. to respect them and try to make them happy at all times. Yeah, and uh, I don't think everyone is following that. Like, I, it's really hard to follow it. Really, uh, when you see someone who opposes your view, or when you see someone who's, you know, just outright criminal, it's hard to love them, right? Mm, yeah, it can and, be. <laughs> right, right. Or, or, I think that's what a lot of like religious people fail to see is that they're not loving other people who are not believing in their own religion, and yeah. just because of that fact that they're not believing, they're hating on them. They're not loving. So in that sense, they're. Even though they call themselves religious people, they're not following their own religion. So mm-hmm. therefore, that is not the true representation of that religion. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's what society, uh, the majority of the society thinks about religious people. Uh, mostly just like strongly opinionate, opinionated. And... Yeah, I I just don't think that should be that way. That, yeah. So as long as they are following that one simple rule, and it doesn't have to be Christians, um, you you don't have to be Christian to follow that rule. But as long as you're following that one simple rule uh, for the good for yourself and for others to love other people, I think the world can be a better place. Yeah. Mm. And uh, just to bring it back, mm. there are a lot of ways you could love someone now. Like right. even if you think about the concept of giving money to charity, mm-hmm, yeah, um, that's pretty abstract. That's yeah. not the same as giving someone a hug. Mm-hmm. So um, one way that I think of loving people mm-hmm. is by creating things that make better experiences more likely, or just period mm-hmm. making making uh, increasing the probability that good things will happen mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, a way of showing love to people. That is um, true. Yeah. Because like I was saying, there are water systems. Mm. You could say, okay, designing a water system for some group in who knows Bolivia mm. um, is a cold, you know, uh, engineering task that has nothing to do with love. But you could take a step back and say, well, why would you even set that goal? Why would you even pursue that in the first place? Yeah. You know? Versus all the other things you could have done with your time and energy. Right. So that's, again, just like 
giving someone money. It's like an abstract goal, hmm. which arguably is a form of giving love right. that maybe didn't exist in previous times. Mm -hmm. And the more and more you can kind of pursue these higher level goals, mm -hmm. um, the more difficult it might be to, to see whether or not someone is being a loving person. Because mm -hmm. I could make the argument now mm -hmm. that any like uh, theoretical physicist is arguably doing being a loving person to the rest of the species. Mm. <laughs> it's a weird argument, but it basically follows the line that mm -hmm. if the work really will benefit humanity down the line, it's, as it's likely going to do, because right. it's, it's new information right. that the species has. Um, right. If it can benefit millions of people down right. the line, right. then the very this decision, basically, mm -hmm. to pursue something where that is the most likely or that is the, the, the regular outcome, um, when there are other more attractive options, like, I don't know, working in insurance mm. um, that are more short-term and more rewarding um, immediately, mm -hmm. you could make the argument that that is a loving act, that the pursuit of pure science is a loving act. That is a loving act. That, yeah. that is true, very true. And so you're saying that there is something that transcends um, in value of materialistic things. Uh, well, I'm mainly saying that we're, we're in a, a permutation problem as a species. Permutation problem. Where there are a large number of, there are mm -hmm. larger and larger numbers of ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And every time you add, you know, a new element that increases not just by one, but by some larger number, mm -hmm. the, the new possibilities. New possibilities. Or a power set problem or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's just how many different ways can you do something mm -hmm. given all the elements, all the tools that you have at your mm -hmm. disposal. And when you say things like, okay, we have love or mm -hmm. we have hunger, mm -hmm. I think that a, an element that might be overlooked is that there are new ways to address them and those mm -hmm. ways to address them are constantly growing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Your ideas, if you, uh, that's, that's just, that's just beautiful ideas, I think. Yeah. Oh, thank S you. Something See, that very everyone thing. has to have, you know, just, <laughs> just uh, you know, that's, that's a kind that, uh, kind of ideas that spread love into this world. Mm. Wouldn't you say, uh, it's like, um, realize, you no, know, just admitting the fact that there is a better or, um, more, you know, just, just a better thing, just a closer to good, uh, thing to do other than materialistic, you know, things. I mean, you can, you can do, um, some engineering work, uh, that doesn't really benefit human beings or, um, sometimes people, I think there are certain things that people do that are for a job that does not add anything to humanity. Mm. Yeah, and sometimes those things um, contradict the uh, the goodness. Just just outright, um, you know, talking giving people banking. Yeah. Huh? You're talking about banking. Banking is part of it. I say. <laughs> Actually, banking is important. It's it just is. that there's kind of a runaway effect right. as well. When the <laughs> central system has too much power. Yeah. They're not optimizing banks to help everyone out. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're optimizing no, banks they're, they're just to stealing. earn profits for they're banks. Just, they're just stealing. <laughs> they're yeah. stealing value away from people. Yeah. 
I mean, they create it creates value, but it also takes a lot of the value that it creates. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or they they just do stealing, like outright stealing, <laughs> with the legal system they they make. Yeah, it is pretty fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So as opposed to that, you know, creating value into the world is yeah. something more important. We're creating a bank that really is altruistic. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a dangerous thought. Right there. Yeah. How can we design a new bank using bits? Mm. We already got Bitcoin, right? That's, that's yeah. a step in, in that direction. That's, uh, yeah. That is the future. That is the future. Uh, well, let's see. I can't tell what time it is because we messed up the thing thing, but it's about that time for the most important question in the, the universe. The most important question. In the universe. Curved or flat? Curved. Curved. That's the... I think there's beauty in two curves. Like, um... That's right. Yeah. (laughs) That is... That is a universal human (laughs) thought. You know? Well, guess what? What? That's correct. The Chef of Eggs podcast. Thank you for your time. Mm, Delicious. Thank you. (laughs)